Oh hey, it's those last two pieces of rice that got stuck under the lid of the rice cooker while you were opening it. We're your hosts, Isabel and Elizabeth. Welcome to Avocado, an advocacy <laughs> podcast by Youth for All. Today's episode topic is all about the voting age in Canada. Also, special thanks as always to Ali Ward for the intro format idea. And side note, we're in the same studio recording together today. Um, I don't know if you would t- call it a studio because we are currently on two benches in the middle of a community center. <laughs> that is with, connected to our school. With two chairs and a door so we don't get locked out. Yeah. And also, the, hopefully the sound quality is not too bad because we're not using um, headphones. And, and also we're, we're wearing masks. So Yes, we are. Yes, Remember stay to wear safe your mask during coronavirus. You, you need to protect other people. It's not about your freedom. It's about the other people around you. All right. Anyways, um, quick background before we start this episode. So we live in Canada where the voting age is currently 18. And this is a podcast on some historical issues that have shaped the voting age and how we can change it for youth. Also, this episode is a two-parter. So remember to stay until next week to listen to the second part. So in the first episode, we did a format that was question and answer. So this episode, we're going to keep it the same with... I, me asking the questions and Elizabeth answering as she did a lot of research on this at one point. Isabel's going to start with her questions. Alright, so the first question I have is what are the current age restrictions for voting age and just other general info around this topic? Okay, so my computer will not open a page. I have my suspicions why. We're in the community center and the Wi-Fi oh. sucks here. The current guidelines in Canada are that Section 3 guarantees all Canadian citizens the right to be involved in the election of the government, but these are only 18-year-olds and older, obviously. Um, so these are like the restrictions. It's like a not- notwithstanding clause. Um, like you've got a right, but there's restrictions on it. So obviously you don't want like 14-year-olds voting. Um, but our question with this podcast is what would happen if the voting age was lowered to 16 or 17. So this week we're just gonna explore like the background info next week. Um, we're gonna talk more about opinions from other people. So people in our class, people, our teachers, um, and some representatives where we live. All right, and my next question is, what would happen if the voting age was lowered to 16? So there are like a ton of pros, um, I guess, and cons, which is why this makes it an issue, remember, that an issue is something that has multiple perspectives. It is answered always with evidence and statistics, and we will dive into that later. But um, just for brief facts, like voting age will lower to 16, there'd probably be a lot more voter turnout because 16 year olds and 17 year olds would also be able to vote, and then they'd be more likely to vote in the future. Yeah, also, as we learned um, in school last year, if you vote the first time you're eligible to vote, then you're more likely to vote for the rest of your life. So if the voting age was lower to 16, then theoretically it'd be easier to vote as voting stations are usually in schools. Which is where the kids are, the 16-year-olds are. Yeah. To preface this, we are not 16. I'm not exposing our age either, but yeah, we're not 16. But this is some issue that we feel strongly about, and we'll get into that later. Um, and also, we'll explore later if certain teens would be omitted based on like certain maturity factors or knowledge of politics. But anyways, my next question is, why do people want to lower the voting age? So okay, the so pros. this is what the meat of this discussion is about. Um, we're going to talk about the arguments for first. So I'm going to bring up a topic and then we're going to discuss it. So the first point is what we believe is 16 to 17 year olds know what they're doing. So 
to back this up, like in social studies in Canada, it is an outcome to be an active member of government and to understand what it's like, how important it is to vote. So a lot of arguments against would be like, oh, 16, 17 year olds don't know what they're doing. Like they're obsessed with like TikTok or Instagram or whatever. They don't really know and they're not educated. And that was like a very big opinion I heard from a lot of people, including our teacher. Uh, I'm foreshadowing now, but that's like one of the biggest arguments for. And we go to a, like an academic school and maybe that's why we feel like this. So maybe we should be interviewing some people from other non-academic schools. We will think about that for the next episode. Yeah, I think that like to a point, 16, 17 year olds technically should know what they're doing, but you'd have to do some like type of study or survey to find out how many 16 or 17s actually know what they're doing. Because I know in our school, as Elizabeth already said, it's academic. So I'd say all of the students know what they're doing about in terms yeah. of politics and how the government works and at least the platforms like we've mm-hmm. got like a couple of major parties at the federal level in canada we know at least like what the party like green party like climate change like mm-hmm. pretty obvious but this night might not be as um clear for students of other schools i mean it's been repeated over and over in the curriculum since we started learning about government Probably and how six, yeah. yeah and how government started to work so i'd say by the time you're 16 or 17 it should have been drilled into you enough times but at the same time i'm i don't represent the whole demographic of students exactly we so. don't we don't another argument for lowering the voting age is it's better for long-term voter turnout so we've already touched on this a little bit but yes isabel has already basically paraphrased this but if these youth out are voting at a younger age in schools where they're more likely to vote then they're going to be more likely to vote for the rest of their lives i guess if you think about it like if you're 18 or you're 19 but you don't really vote in your first two elections it's like you don't then then i guess you adopt the belief that your vote doesn't really matter which it does Mm -hmm. it does especially if you're of a minority population it really really does matter because if you don't vote then it might just be those couple hundred people that thought exactly like you and then we've got something weird and then you and then you're like oh no but i don't want this person yeah well you didn't vote so you don't get to say anything about that what my grade six teacher always said was if you don't vote you don't have the right to complain about who's in power so when you talk about politics if you're not happy about something you don't get the right to say anything if you didn't vote and i think that's really relevant um to this issue and to our society because if you have a chance to change something yet you don't take that opportunity then what why would you complain about it later yeah um the right to vote and then the right to complain those are connected (laughs) so another argument for well wait no there's some evidence um for long-term voter turnout for younger voters in austria and scotland they've already done this they've lowered the voting age and there is higher voter turnout which is kind of obvious if you do the math it's more people voting (laughs) Um, okay, so another argument for is it gives youth more of a voice where they're involved. So especially things like climate change. I just wrote for social studies basically an essay on the things we need to do for climate change. And you know what? Youth involvement is one of them. Youth is like literally the future. Like in we are the future. 20, basically, 30 years, we are. we are going to be the adults who are in charge, who are in politics. And so it's better to start now as... You know how you make mistakes along the way, especially in the beginning? So if you make more mistakes when you're younger, by the time you're in your 20s or your 30s, you'll have more life lessons learned and more experience in certain issues. Yeah, and even if you're not a politician, like you, as a Canadian citizen or as an American citizen or whatever, wherever you live, 
I don't know, Irish citizen, <laughs> you need to be able to understand how your government works. Like, that's probably, like, the most basic thing of having a citizenship somewhere. Okay, another argument for lowering the voting age is the alarming decline in voters in age groups between 18 and 24. So, basically, youth aren't voting now. If like we already said, if youth aren't voting now in their first two elections, they most likely won't vote for the rest of their life. And that is a problem because if you have lower and lower voter turnout among younger generations, older, what does that mean for the generations after them, right? Society is only as much as what the government makes them in some sense. Especially in our society, we have democratic government um, all across North America. And it's really important that youth have a say in this democratic process because it will encourage them to be more active like an active citizen which is one of the responsibilities actually most important parts of a democracy mm -hmm. furthermore youth can provide insight so we've touched on this but insight is so important foreshadowing is so important where would we be if greta thunberg didn't just unleash a whole un climate speech i don't know but Older politicians don't necessarily see things like climate change and maybe minority groups like First Nations groups as a valid issue compared to the economy. Of course, the economy is more important. Something I wrote about in my essay that I talked about earlier was that, of course, like people want, you know what, politicians want to get reelected. It's in their best interest, especially in Canada. There's no two term limit. Like you can just hold government office for as long as you want if you're like prime minister. And then if you don't have the correct, like, I don't know, voting, like, not voting, um, based on issues, then Canadian citizens are going to suffer because of that. So that's why youth are so important in terms of insight and information that we give to the government. Um, also, youth can provide um, dissension, like a completely different perspective. For example, like if Nellie McClung hadn't decided to start speaking out about women's rights, then the world would be a lot different today. Yeah, and Canada would be a, yeah. very different. So there's always, there has to be one person or a group of people that start to inspire change. And youth um, tend to be more open-minded just because the world has become more open-minded since they were born. Like there's more rights being acknowledged, more diverse, more, more diversity being acknowledged, for, for example, LGBTQ rights. And I think that this provides them with an insight. It's really important as society changing and as our beliefs are changing our laws are also changing and if the people that are making those laws aren't changing then we need obviously need someone who can change to bring that change people in positions of power should reflect society that's yeah. the whole point of a democracy and so if they're not reflecting society's values then they shouldn't be in power also at this point i would like to insert this rip ruth bader ginsburg we love you bader ginsburg who was far more than merely a Supreme Court justice, has died. She was only the second woman ever appointed to the court and was already a legend when she arrived in the fight for gender equality. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first, Justice Ginsburg was the second. Justice Ginsburg died at home in Washington, surrounded by family, we're told, from complications of pancreatic cancer. She was 87 years old, and despite her long bout with several different forms of cancer and all the complications, she seemed to many indestructible. Just last night, she appeared remotely at the National Constitution Center, where she was honored with the center's Liberty Medal. Okay, and then the last argument for voting age is that 16-year-olds are trusted with lots of responsibilities, and Isabel will talk about this because 
there's a lot. Yeah, okay, so um, in Canada, 16-year-olds have a lot of responsibility already. For example, you can have a driving license at the age of 14 or even 16 in some provinces, and you can get a job at age 16, yet they still cannot vote. Also, when you're 16, you can get legally emancipated from your parents. So if you're allowed to live on your own, get a job, able to drive, drive on the highway, then your life is affected so much by the government and the people in positions of power. So why can't you at least have the right to vote? Yeah. Especially if you're going to take it. Think about it this way. Like if you have, I don't know, if this maybe this is how a lot of older people see this, but if you have a group of students, the older people think that the group, like part, some of the students that don't really know what they're doing, like the bad apples of the group, I guess you could say, they're going to vote for, I don't know, the Communist Party of Canada um, and throw away their vo vote or use their vote for their parents' party, which is just not an equal reflection, right? The fallacy in that statement is the students who don't really care, they won't go out of their way to vote. Like, they, they don't care. They don't really care. Um, but the people who do care and the people who have their own say, they will go out of their way to vote. One uh, example of the downfalls of the people who are immature or not informed voting is the Rhino Party. So the Rhino Party was founded in 1963 and it's a completely satirical, not like, not serious, not legit, not yeah, realistic, completely nothing. communist party, yet they still register on the ballot each year. And because I think that's once they won. Probably they did. <laughs> Something know. like that. But they always get votes, right? So hey guys, it's Elizabeth. Uh, I'm editing right now and I was just going to put in this clip about the rhino party that I found. Basically, in the clip, uh, Sebastian Co-Rhino, who's a leader of the rhino party, talks about how uh, the uh, function of the rhino party was to hook 18 to 20-year-olds into voting. So really, like, they never knew about politics before, or if they never, like, really knew about political parties, now they have, like, a funny satirical party they can vote for, and then maybe in the future they'll consider more interesting candidates. And I guess I have opposing views on this, because... It's, like, kind of sketch, I guess, because politics is not a joke. Like, it's literally dealing with people's lives. But I think it has a good intention in that it's hooking these people in. But back to the issue of voting age, I think if we allowed 16- to 18-year-olds to vote, um, I don't think they would need the rhino party to hook them in. I think they would be able to do it by themselves, for the most part. Well, the main party leaders have barely visited Alberta, but one leader is in Calgary today, touting a platform that includes nationalizing bacon. They include plans to transport oil and gas by blimp. I like to, to take young people, college people, 20 years old or whatever, and, and, and they have sometimes they have never had um, a link with politics and the Rhino Party is their first link to politics and then they can go further into it. Well, the Rhino Party has 40 candidates running in six provinces. If elected, they plan to break all of their promises, including making sorry the new official motto of Canada. There are adults out there who will vote for a communist satirical Rhino Party. Like, that does not have any legit legitimacy in Canadian government. Why are we putting guidelines that are exempted from adults on children? Like, when you say oh, children are going to throw away their vote. Well, adults also throw away their vote, so that's really not a logical argument. It's been debunked. Also, Isabel has just been um, looking at the name of the 
leader of the Rhinoceros Party. Do you want to? Yeah. So basically, on their uh, on the Rhino Party bio part of their website, it says. Um, um, Sebastian Co. Rhino is the supreme dealer of the Rhinoceros Party from Canada. He lives in a rural small town in eastern Quebec named Saint Donat de Rimouski Du. So that's what um, you might have heard us start laughing. You know but if that doesn't tell you how unlegitimate and satirical, as Isabel said, this party is, I don't know what does. And well, if adults have the good, like sense to be voting for these people, I think I say we should at least have 16-year-olds because I don't think they're dumb enough to vote for this. I'm sorry. So um, check out their website. I'm still reading through because I can't at party stop rhino laughing. Dot, at partyrhino.ca. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's so funny. But then there's a sobering truth that people actually vote for them. So That's, that's just... Yeah. You know what? If you want even some more evidence at the bottom of the uh, website... There is Sebastian, who is the leader with an excited fan, quote, excited fan, like a literal, it's fan a literal fan that blows air. Blowing, so. um, and there are also 47 likes on this. Notice that there is no unlike button. Dislike. There's just unlike. Just, there's just a like button. Anyway, if that doesn't show you how illegitimate some people's votes really are, like, I don't know what does. Um, but now we're going to go into the arguments against why, because... For every four argument you need and against argument, right? We want to show in this podcast equal sides of the question. We don't just want to show, oh, this is our opinion. Obviously, this is our opinion, but we're going to elaborate on some of the opinions of people around us. Mm-hmm. So the that first against. argument against would be that youth are not informed or mature enough. And they'll vote for a random weird party. And I think we already went into great detail yeah. with us talking about the rhino party and everything like this. I think what adults are more concerned about is their taxpayers. They understand how buying homes work. They understand how mortgages work. They have made so many mistakes in their lives. They are so scared that youth are going to take, like, randomly do something stupid and mess up the whole uh, ratio of, uh, or whoever's elected. But really, if you think about it, like, these 17, 18-year-olds, they're in grade 11 and grade 12. Like, they have enough responsibility, as we've already said, to vote and also you don't really need it in my opinion i guess you don't really need to know how to get a mortgage or buy a house or do anything or buy a car or to be able to vote like voting all the code voting requires is that you're an active participant in your community and you understand what the stakes are and you understand what each party is saying then again what each party is saying might have to do with the economy which is something you may not understand very well as a 17 or 18 year old so maybe that's where the concern from these adults come from hey guys it's editing elizabeth back at it and i just wanted to pop in to say that that was like voiced a little bit blunt i think um when i was listening to it i was like hmm but point is that I think it's important to look at both sides. We There are parts of the story that adults know that we, as youth, may never understand until we get to where they are. And there are parts of the argument that youth have, which adults may never understand, ever, because they're not going to go back to their youth. So, yes, please keep that in mind. Thank you. There's also the argument that the teens who are still living with their parents, 16 and 17, may be um, influenced by what their parents opinions are uh they might just listen to the parents if the parent says vote for a certain party they may vote for yes. that party or without if, considering yes. other options yeah or if their family is like historically like they've always been conservative or they've always been liberal like they're probably just going to vote for that without a second thought which is obviously equally dangerous 
Like, but, you need to be able to vote for what you think is right. But honestly, I don't think that this would change a lot if yeah. you're 18. And you know what? Like, exactly. Like, Isabel just said what I just thought about. Like, if your party was, like, if your family was historically conservative, even when you're 20, you're going to vote for conservatives. Even when you're 30, you're going to vote for conservatives. It's only when you make that your decision, like, your own innate decision to change what you believe in. Like, for example, to vote for the Green Party. Then you're going to do it yourself. If you never think about that, it doesn't matter what age you are. Like, you're still always going to vote like, for the same party. If you've been raised as a complete, you know, complete right-wing family or a complete left-wing family from when you were born, the chances are, the great chance is that you'll just go with the side that you're family is on. all the stuff you've been doing probably there, just gonna go with that there are people who switch who realize that oh i don't believe in the right wing values or i don't believe in the left wing values but the majority of people just they grow up with those views and as they evolve they their identity revolves around those core beliefs that they've been that's been instilled in them since they were infants exactly so that's mainly the arguments against like first youth aren't educated they don't really care Second, you don't pay taxes, they don't deserve a real say because they don't really pay money, they don't do a lot of things that adults do. And finally, youth might be a throwaway vote. Um, we're going to go through some of the other questions. I also have some other research from before, um, just about the background of the voting age. Did you know that people in jail can vote? There was a charter case a few years prior to allow this in the Frank versus Canada lawsuit. Um, furthermore, non-resident Canadians can also vote. So these are people that are Canadians but aren't actively living in Canada. I don't know. For example, there's a Canadian living in Mexico. They can still vote because they're Canadian citizens. I think right now I've been looking into this and there are people who are going to launch a charter case to lower the voting age. I don't know how prevalent of an issue this is right now because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we've got national reckoning with race in Michelle Obama's words. Well, I think we've touched on many of the questions that I had. I think maybe the one that I have left is what do we have to do to change the voting age? Like, who do we have to contact? Like, what? I think you just, yeah. I will insert some links in the bio of this episode. I will probably also put in a voice memo at this point. Hey guys, it's Elizabeth. I have inserted a voice memo here, as you can see. I mean, as you can hear. Uh, a really good website or like organization for this is childrenfirstcanada.org so that's the website childrenfirstcanada.org and i recently not recently maybe back in like january joined the email subscription and back in may i'm just looking at the email back in may there was like a survey and uh, some youth consultation so basically this was like some online forums to consult children and youth about the voting age. So this helped them talk about it. And I think there's also, they are launching a charter case. There was a Google form, I, I believe. Okay, so I've just found the youth litigant application form. So this is basically for, uh, well, they're, select, they're selecting a group of around 10 people under the age of 18 to be litigants in the challenge. So basically, they're going to be people that directly talk about this. And it's pretty long-term process. So you probably want to be like 16, 17, 18, but I'll, I don't know if this is still going on, but the form is right here. I will insert this in the bio of this episode. If you're interested in checking it out, you can uh, look at the Google form, maybe consider filling it out. It's very, very important that we work together to bring this case to court and have it reviewed at least and put it in the eyes of the Canadian public um hopefully after this pandemic is over whenever it's over 
and yeah check it out if you would like if you're a canadian it is and you believe in what we believe in it is so important to contact your mla your mp they will listen to you as we'll get into in the second part of this podcast episode next week i've got some emails from some mps and mlas and they were willing to talk with a teenager who was interested in the voting age and also remember tip of the day that your mlas and your mps and your prime minister they serve you you guys are on an even field you voted them they work for you the job description is basically to they serve. work for you to serve their community so if you have any questions or concerns like they contact your mla contact your mp it doesn't matter how old you are if you are an eight-year-old listening to this podcast go talk to people to adults that you know will give you information because that's what will help you change the world in the future that sounds cheesy but it's true we have some statistics that we want to share about voter turnout quickly before ending the episode. Okay, so last week I was doing some research for this podcast episode and I stumbled upon this chart. It is on a valid source, I promise I vetted it. It's called vetted, vetted it. It's called Stats Canada, obviously. Um, it's called voter, voter Turnout by Age Group, 2011, 2015, and 2019 federal elections by percentage. So we'll give you the most recent ones, 2019, the percentages for all groups with 77% voter turnout, which is, I guess is decently good for democracy, compared to 70% in 2011. Um, what's alarming about this chart though is that the lower lowest amount of voter turnout percentage is between 18 to 24 year olds. Obviously, you know what implications this has. We need more younger voters. You know what? And the only way to do this is to lower it. We can't just suddenly have 18, 24 year olds just voting more. Um, what's also f- cool that we found was the highest number of voter turnout percentage was between 65 to 74 year olds so that's 85 percent that's the highest and in a utopian society these percentages would all be the same 100 100 100 percent everyone voting of course exactly but that's never going to happen so the best we can hope to is to level out the playing fields almost by yes. adding more potential youth to exactly vote. so thank you for listening to this second podcast episode i hope you guys understood the information we were presenting yeah that was basically an a lengthy introduction to our second part which is coming next week and there's a lot more to say so stay tuned and it's going to come out next monday and check out all the information resources where you live to be a part of this sentiment that's not even a word for it this um generational change yes yes Thank you. My mask is moist. Oh my gosh, speaking moistly. Y'all speaking Canadians moistly. get that. Okay, see you guys.